Hey everyone, welcome. This is Lucas Granger, lead pastor of Coastal Church. It is our hope that you will find this podcast today challenging, inspiring, and practical as we seek to reach the world with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. My name is Drew Crisp. Uh, I'm the outreach pastor here at Coastal. Very excited to be with you today sharing from God's Word. Uh, So, Easter is done. Uh, We've wrapped it up, okay? Uh, The lilies, uh, if not already dead, are dying, okay? Uh, You know, the candy has been eaten. Uh, The bunny is nowhere to be seen. Easter, done, gone. Last week, we've moved on. And so, at this point, it's kind of like this feeling. The Sunday after Easter always kind of gives me that, okay, well, good. That was that. What's next, you know, kind of thing. It just feels a little bit kind of like it's a, we've gone, and now we're here. What's interesting is I don't think this is too far off, this feeling, from what the first disciples, later to be called the apostles, were feeling themselves. Um, so if you would, please uh, open up your scriptures, uh, if you have them, to Acts, the book of Acts. Um, so we have, you know, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then we move into the book of Acts. If you don't have that with you or you don't have it on your phone, uh, we will have it on the screens up above as well. Uh, but we're going to start there this morning in the book of Acts. Now, don't go too far ahead in this story because Acts chapter 1, you know, Jesus, he teaches, right? He has this itinerant ministry. It's going really well. Uh, he says at one point, I'm going to set my face to Jerusalem, heads to Jerusalem. Something happens there, as you well know. He's crucified. Um, they lay him in a tomb. Three days later, he rises from the dead. And as it says here, uh, he's with them for 40 days. But I often think, like, what if he didn't, like, just go somewhere? What if he was just around? You ever thought that, like, if it was just, like, he rose from the dead and now he's, he's with us and he's just hanging out? I, I would wonder at some point, I think the disciples would be like, well, this is all good, like, Where's it going? Like, what are we, are we going to, we're going to go somewhere? Are we going to travel? Are we going to do something? Like, no, I'm just here. I'm with you. I'm hanging out. It's like, okay, but what's next? What are we, what's the story here? That is not what we have. Jesus has a plan. Obviously, the death and resurrection were a part of it. But I'm going to add today that I think the ascension is a critical thing for us to understand in the narrative. So Acts chapter 1 kind of takes us further along in the story. So if you start in chapter 1, verse 1, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. You understand the author here is Luke, from the writer of the Gospel of Luke. The first book was his Gospel to Theophilus. This is his second book. This is the sequel, correct? And he's moving the story along. I told you all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Verse 3, During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. He proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. He talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem, 
until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John chapter 14, you will have an advocate. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Once when he was eating, oh, nope, sorry, verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They're not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching And they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, why are you standing here, staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. But someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Lord, is it time for you to restore your kingdom to Israel? Please don't go too far from what the the text actually means. Please don't jump to your own narrative just yet. Let's stay in the first century for just a moment. Lord, will you now restore your kingdom to Israel? These disciples were called out. They were Jewish believers. They were called out from that to follow this rabbi. They are not thinking Christianity, you understand. We don't have that yet. That's not a thing. They are thinking what Jesus is doing is for Israel. The Old Testament, all of the prophets spoke about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is coming. A literal geopolitical kingdom will happen, and Jesus is back, so apparently He's ready to do business. So let's do business, all right? Let's start. Jerusalem, that's a great place. Let's start there. Who do we need to kill, convince? What what do we got to do? How do we get this thing? Is it time now? And Jesus tells them, "You you don't get it. You don't get it. It's not for you to know the times or dates or, or the hows or the whys. But you will be my witnesses. They asked Jesus, will you, will you, will you? He turns it back on them. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. So starting there, right, right where they are, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So you will be my witnesses. And you will, will you restore? You will receive power when my Holy Spirit comes upon you. So if we move a little bit further, this actually happens, right? In the book of Acts, Peter is there and he's preaching. It's 10 days, so we have 40 days from the ascension, which honestly, guys, the the writers of the New Testament, it's kind of just like, yeah, this happened. This guy just kind of David Copperfield up into the heavens. It's like, beam me up, Gotti, kind of thing. It's like, what? What's happening right now? He just 
rows, they're standing going like, I'm so sorry, Why, where is he going? We've got a kingdom to establish. Men of Galilee, why are you standing, staring into the heavens? You've got work to do. Shoo, go. Listen to what he said. Don't leave Jerusalem. Something's about to happen. Ten days later, we have Pentecost. Something does happen. The Holy Spirit, as promised by Jesus in John 14, the advocate, the comforter, the paraclete, the, the one who will give them power, comes upon them. Joel 2 tells us about how this spirit, I will pour out my spirit. One author said it was the engulfment of the spirit. They were caught up with his spirit. Now, good Trinitarian theology, stay with me, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all separate but one, correct? So Jesus, I have to leave so that this one can come. Mary in the garden thinks he's the gardener. Don't cling to me. This is John 20. Don't cling to me. I haven't yet ascended to my Father. Something must happen for him to ascend. There must be some reason he needs to go. And it's, it's the Pentecost. His spirit needs to come down. His spirit needs to come to the people, right? But you must ask at this point, so if Jesus rose, where did he go? Like, you think the other disciples would ask this, right? Like, if you weren't there and they spoke about this Jesus, often when the, the, the disciples spoke about Jesus in Acts, they referred to him as the Nazarene. Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, place, context, real Real place, not just some philosophical concept, but a real place, Shalot, Supply, Brunswick County, place. Put it in a place. Put it in, in a real time. Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. So, awesome. He rose, and where is he? Where did he go? Everybody put up your right hand. Right hand? He's at the right hand of God. They often referred to it. Paul referred to it. Peter referred to it. Stephen, as he's being stoned in Acts 7, sees Jesus seated. So the high priest has done what he's come to do. He's sitting down at the right hand of God because he's done what he's come to do, which is pretty amazing. We just read John 3. This, this is what he came to do, not only to teach us, but to die for our sins, to be laid in the tomb three days later, death has no mastery over him, and then he raises and sits down back where he belongs in a position of prominence and power. He's at the right hand of the Father. But that's not the end of the story either, because Jesus looks at his people and he says, they're saying, when will you restore the kingdom to Israel? And what was interesting is even uh, his life here on earth and even with his disciples, this began to go from Jerusalem, very center of the Jewish faith, Judea, Samaria. Now we're getting a little more broad. We're getting a little bit more out of our context. It's People who smell a little different than us, eat a little different than us, talk a little different than us, live differently, and then he goes, ends of the earth. I don't know what your view 
of what Jesus did, I don't know how you view this, but if you have any idea that it isn't for literally everyone, then you have put a box in a container where there isn't one. Because he was pretty clear that it was for everyone. He would share these parables, right? You read these parables. He would share them that were saying, everyone is invited to the wedding feast. Go! The people that I've invited have made these ridiculous excuses. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, we're binge-watching Game of Thrones. I can't. I can't come, man. I don't know. Uh, I got stuff to do. I don't know. I, yeah, my ox is really sick and stuff. And They make all these excuses, right? It's like, fine. You go out to the highways and the byways, and you bring in anyone that will come. Because this kingdom is much larger than just Jerusalem. It's Judea, Samaria. It's the ends of the earth. It is so broad. He ascended to the right hand so that we could understand his power and prominence, but also we could understand our position in this kingdom. Now, Go with me on this one because I don't fully, you know, WebMD is, uh, everything I read on there is true, correct? Is that true? Okay, I don't know. Um, it wasn't WebMD, but it was something similar to that where it kind of told me about the body. And I want to talk about this concept of the body. Now, you understand in Scripture, Paul will often refer to the church, the group of Jesus' people as the body. And one thing that I see is that it's the body, the very one. I think everybody needs to kind of tap in right now. Just understand you're here. You're in a body. Anybody here have like lower back pain? Okay, tap into that. Okay, that's your body. Anybody in here feeling a little sunburnt? I got some of that. Okay. Every year it's like, oh yeah, sunscreen's a thing. Okay. Um, Tap into your body. We all have one, but it's amazing the interconnected subsystems of our body. He doesn't know I'm going to do this, but Brian Mabe, I need you to be my authority, okay? All right, you, you are my authority on all these things. If I say something that is like, you are totally mispronouncing that, or you don't know at all what you're talking about, but these are what I saw, okay, Brian? You good with that? You call me out pretty much anyway on anything, so... Our bodies consist of a number of biological systems that carry out specific functions necessary for everyday living. And when they don't work, it really stinks, right? Okay. So first system that I see is a circulatory system. It's to move blood, nutrients, oxygen, carbon dioxide, hormones around the body, consists of the heart, blood, blood vessels, arteries, veins. Does that sound? Okay. Digestive system. A series of connected organs that together allow the body to break down and absorb the donuts that I eat, okay? Remove pretty much the whole donut because all of it was waste. Um, Includes the mouth, the esophagus, the stomach, small intestine, large intestine. Um, Other words I don't want to say in public. All right. Um, Sound good? The endocrine system Eight major glands that uh, secrete hormones into the blood. These hormones, in turn, travel to different tissues and regulate various bodily functions, such as metabolism, growth, and sexual function. Okay. Immune system, 
lymphatic system, nervous system, which I think I have two of, um, muscular system, reproductive system. Now, let's go into that one. That one's actually really interesting. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Skeletal system, respiratory, and even these, I didn't, help me on this, okay? I was reading the urinary system. Okay, I'm, with, I'm good with that. Inter, integumentary system? What, tell me, what, who said it? Integumentary. And what is that exactly? Your skin. That itself is its own system that we can study. It's an organ, and it's the largest organ in your body. Okay, I say all this to say this is a, a very cursory glance at the large subsystems that are interconnected in the very body that you inhabit right here, right now, that is keeping you alive and going, when is this guy going to finish? Okay? What in the world is going on? How complex is this world that we live in? And so Paul uses that as a living metaphor, which is brilliant because we all have one, and says, you are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. Can you begin to imagine how interconnected and complex that statement really is? You're the body of Christ. And we are okay with coming here and being spectators and say that we participated in church? Are you kidding me? No way is this all that it is, correct? That has to be for something else. If you are the body, multiple times he says you are members of one body by which he is the head. But let me say this. He is the head of the body. He is not the figurehead of the body. Let me, let me explain. A figurehead, that front statue that's, that is put at the bow of the ship to direct the ship into the water. And it can be things like, uh, you've often seen mermaids, right? Where it's like, please, those who know the sea, direct our paths in that sea. But often the word figurehead has come to mean someone who has a placement of prominence but no power. No real power. This is nominal at best. You will, ad- will advance you to that position, but we're going to put your face on a dollar bill and nothing else. Please don't, please don't get into the real work of what needs to happen here in our government, in our society. Please, please, we got this. We got this. Jesus is not simply a figurehead for the church. He's not even just the bow of the ship. He is the whole thing. We are his body, one body, right? One body in him. Often, you'll see Paul using this phrase, in Christ, in Christ. You were created in Christ, in Christos, in him. You look at some of the language of the New Testament, even from Jesus' own mouth, of how intimate and connected he is to his people. And we want to divide and divide and divide on the smallest little thing. If you are a part, if you are in the vine, remain in the vine. You don't get to just dissect yourself from what he's doing. Because he is an authority and he is alive 
and he is active. You will be my witnesses, and you will receive power when my Holy Spirit comes on you. Power, dunamis in that text, is the word dynamite. It's explosive. Tim Keller, an author, said that when, uh, when Jesus left and ascended and the Holy Spirit came, that was a detonator. That was a detonator for how all of this should be. Here's what happened. Early on, early on in the church, you have this kind of indie group, right? If you look at how the church history worked, you have an indie group of people, this kind of on the fringe. You look at even uh, in Acts, how much persecution was happening. This message wasn't popular, right? Because it's not popular with the Jewish people in Jerusalem, and it's not popular with the Gentiles, because it's actually getting in the way of us being able to craft these Artemis uh, idols that we can sell. So you're actually getting in the way of our business plan right now by saying that's just a piece of wood uh, and you don't really need to bow down to it. So it became really unpopular because it started messing. Once you start messing with people's money, you start messing with their ability to manipulate others, they get pretty upset pretty quick. And so they're being persecuted, correct? The church is being persecuted, but there is a remnant who continue, and you see in Acts, 3,000 were added to their number that day, 5,000. It can, continues to grow because real disciples start doing the real work of loving and caring and confronting others with the truth, praying for one another, sharing in compassion, and that actually is pretty attractive and gross because people are like, that's actually something I want to be a part of. And so the thing continues to grow and grow. You have a Roman emperor, Constantine, who comes on the scene, and he begins to say, okay, I can't, I can't really quell this group of the way, the Christians. I can't really quell that. So in a brilliant political move, in the Edict of Milan, as it's called, he makes Christianity the national religion of Rome. He said he had this vision that in this sign you will conquer, and it was a cross in this sign. And conquer he did. The church, uh, by that point, as you understand it, the, the only church that was existence at that historical time began to say, okay, we like holding hands with the empire because this allows us to, A, it's illegal to persecute us. That's pretty good. We don't want to lose any more aunts and uncles, all right, to the sword. We don't really want to be thrown into the, to the pits to be eaten by lions. That's pretty good. All right, good. And secondly, this gives them power. They begin to get a taste for what it looks like. Our indie band got signed to a label, okay? Now they're, they sold out to the man, right? But that's what the Edict Milan happened. That's, that's what happened. And so now you've got a group, a unifying narrative in the Bible. You've got a unifying narrative, this is what ends up happening. Now we can say, we can begin to manipulate the story however we want so that we can unite East and West in Rome. We can continue to have power as Rome and we can continue to move forward. And, it, and move forward it did. And it just began. And it actually is a pretty good story. For most of Western history, it's united groups of people under one one head. And it just continued to move. 
by way of crusades and by way of conquering. Is it now you're going to restore your kingdom to Rome? Okay. If he's not going to do it, then I guess we'll follow Constantine. But I think we maybe missed the point of what the actual kingdom was supposed to be. And here's the thing. I'm up here sharing these things. I am one toe to this, to this story, right? I only have one morsel of this. You, us, we have to, we have to grab this. And this is seen all over in our world. Hey, have you seen that, uh, you seen that, uh, that movie, the, the Jurassic World? And what does it follow up when you ask somebody if they've seen a movie? Hey, is that the one with um, Chris Pratt? The one with Chris Pratt? Uh, l- let me break this down for you. Hold on. The movie has like six or seven writers, let alone the director, the 230 other actors that were a part of it, the six producers, Michael uh, Giacchano, who wrote a beautiful score, has an art director, costumes, makeup, special effects, those in charge of editing, those in charge of extras, even the blessed souls who made sure the crafty tables had orange slices and an assortment of peanuts, okay? And it's the one with Chris Pratt, the one with that one dude who arguably had the least amount to do with the movie, and we say that one, right? Hey, do you go to that, uh, you go to that church, uh, what is it, Coastal? Yeah, is that the one with, is that where Alan, uh, Alan Fanley? What is his name? I don't know. Is that Alan? Does he lead worship there? The one where Alan leads worship? That is the corpus of what Coastal is? Are you kidding me? And we go, we drive by buildings all the time, reverend such and such. Is that the whole of what that body is? I'm a toe up here sharing this, right? I can barely speak to this. This effort is a group joint effort. And what we have before us and what we've created, even people like me have created, is a body that feels like, oh, they got it. They got it. They can do it. We'll leave it to the, to the few to do the work up there. That's what, what do you think we're doing here? Are we here just to have a service? You understand this service is intended to resource you to do the work you were called to do. He gave some to be apostles and prophets and shepherds and teachers and evangelists. He gave you a gift. You will receive my gift You are given, each and one of you have something that's within you to use for the kingdom. And it's not just in this building. We ask you to serve on a serve team to begin to prime the pump so that you can begin to use gifts that you were given for Brunswick County. What's, What's passionate? What is boiling up inside you that you must be a part of? Some of you let me, let me say it clearly. Some of you may not know what that is because you've never once given a consideration that Jesus might actually be the king of that kingdom he spoke so often about. You may still think he's the figurehead and you said, I rejected that in college. 
you missed it. You missed what he's trying to do. So I'm plainly going to ask you in a moment, is this something you want to be a part of? And we do it every week here because we want you to be a part of this kingdom. Not we, the toe is saying, hey, you're a part of us, okay? That's what's happening right now. I'm saying, if you're in this room, if you've been, if you've been, if you've had something stirring within you to say, hey, go to that senior center, I hear something's going on, that's way beyond myself or anybody else on staff at Coastal. That's the Holy Spirit doing something in your life, calling you to something. We are one body, many parts. There is so much beauty in the diversity of his body, and there's so much he's calling us to do. You see things happening in our county where he is actually beginning to establish his kingdom but it doesn't look like we think it looks like. It has little to do with power. It has little to do with who gets the credit. Very little. Because if Jesus is king, he gets the credit. Because it's just truth. That's how it is. I'm going to ask Alan and the worship team to come up here. There's a parable that's told about a group of animals. It's like a famous teaching parable. And this group of animals decides that they want to improve their general welfare by starting a school. The curriculum of this animal school will be swimming, running, climbing, and flying. The duck, an excellent swimmer, was deficient in other areas. So he majored in climbing and running and flying, much to the detriment of his swimming. The rabbit, a superior runner, was forced to spend so much of his time in other classrooms that he soon lost much of his famous speed. The squirrel, who had been rated A as a climber, dropped to a C because the instructor spent hours trying to teach him to swim and fly and get stuck in my pool one, one uh, winter. That was terrible. Um, and the eagle was disciplined for soaring to the treetops when he had been told to learn how to climb, even though flying was the most natural thing for, for him. Everyone is not the same. That's the genius. That's the glory of it. We get frustrated because we're just, we're simply, we're not as gifted at others. Says who? And maybe that's not the point, that you be gifted at this. Maybe your gifts lie somewhere else. They're dormant within you because I'm not as smart as my sister. I'm not as, I'm not as stable of a person as my mother wanted me to be. Let's share a more personal one, right? I'm not as smart as my friend. Whatever the not is, I would wonder if maybe there's a gift that's lying on the other side of that. 
You've had people maybe who've tried to stamp the creativity out of you because they wanted you to be X. In a, in a culture that, you know, brings up the sciences and math, the arts just get regulated to the side, but studies show us how critical those are to development, to making this culture. I think it starts with us first talking to our creator in this moment. And for some of you, like I said, you did not consider Jesus a worthwhile king. And I just want to tell you, if that word king bothers you, he's the head of the body. He's the friend. He's the advocate. He sends his spirit here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you would like to explore more resources just like this, take a moment and download the Coastal Church app. Also, if you would like to give financially to support the ministry here at Coastal, go to mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. God bless and have a wonderful week.